Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. How many of you know who Michael Vick is? He was a, he was a quarterback, right? In 2006, I don't know if you knew this, but Michael Vick became the first quarterback to rush for an illustrious 100 yards in a season. Now, that's unheard of for a quarterback, right? But Michael Vick wasn't. And, and, and though his team only finished with a record of 7-9, and nine, his future looked bright along with his NFL salary. See, Vick earned, guys, money for being the face of Rawlings, Nike, and other company. In 2006, it brought an estimated worth of $25.4 million for Michael Vick. In 2007, by the end of 2007, this same person, Michael Vick, was broke and in prison for his contributions to illegal dogfighting ring. His estimated total losses was $142 million, with some $50 million lost in endorsements. Apparently, Rawlings, Nike did not like being represented by someone who convicted of cruelty towards animals. Of course, they had no choice to terminate their relationship with this quarterback. To continue using Vic as a spokesperson would have been what? Tantamount promoting dogfighting themselves. So they pull their endorsements. When you represent someone, everything you do reflects on that person. God created humanity to represent him to declare his glory. That's what he does. And so today, if you're taking note, I want to talk to you about the Imago Day. You go, Imago Day? Yeah, if you're taking notes, it's I-M-A-G-O, I-M-A-G-O, D-E-I, the Imago Day. You go, Ben, what does it mean? Well, right next to that, you can say it means made in the image of God. Made in the image of God. So if you want to sound real smart at school, you go, hey, let's talk about the Imago Day. And everybody's like, oh, wow, what is that? It just means made in the image of God. Okay, so we want to talk about the Imago Day. We want to talk about the Imago Day. Now, as we continue our verse-by-verse study in the book of Genesis, as we do, we, we discover today an amazing creation of day five and day six. But really what stands out is not so much how God created the birds and the fish and, and all of this stuff, he, he, how he created us. Day six actually stands out when we were created in his image. Now, I would highly encourage you to take notes. I had asked you before, grab a notebook that's going to be your Genesis notebook because I want to give you a lot of notes. Okay, I can get up here and I can preach and preach and preach. But what we want to do is we want to be taught the Word of God so we have a foundation so that when we walk out there, we understand that. So if you're taking note, and everybody goes, amen, I am, Ben. Okay, if you're taking note, okay, I think the image of God, I truly believe, His image consumes at least first and foremost three assertion or what I call attributes, three of them. You go, what are they? Of course, if you're taking note, jot these down. The first we see dignity, dignity. Okay, the Imago Dei, the image of God is dignity. The second is destiny. So you got dignity, you got destiny. And then the third one, freedom. Once again, those three are dignity, destiny, and freedom. Let me explain. Let's talk about dignity for just a moment. The assertion that man is made in God's image shows man his true dignity and worth. Really, right? That's what it does. As God's image bearer, you and I merit an infinite respect. God's claim on us must be taken with total seriousness. No human being should be ever to be thought as simply a cog in the machine or a means to an end. There's dignity. You are made with dignity. Now, think about this. One of the Ten Commandments... God gave to Israel, we call them guidelines. Why do we call them guidelines? Why do we call them guardrails? Because we're not under the law, we're under the new covenant, but they're still wonderful guardrails. One of the commandments that God gave Israel and to us, do you guys remember that? Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not murder. Now, we really don't have to ask why, right? Why did God say don't kill each other, right? We, we, we don't really have to ask why. But for the sake of our study, think about this. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, we'll get there in a few weeks, 
says this, whoever sheds a man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. Why? For in the image of God, he made man. You see, there's dignity. You go, well, well, what, what should I put next to this? Jot this down. Human life is higher than any other life because we were made in the image of God. Human life is higher than any other life because we were made in the image of God. Now, note the fact that God put this guardrail in our lives because he wants us to respect the sanctity of human life. We don't have to be told, don't murder, because we know that you and I were creating God's image in the image with what? With dignity. That's one. I heard a pastor who said this, quote, to murder, to kill a human is to declare war on God. Number two, destiny. You got dignity, you got destiny. The assertion, this attribute, points also to each man's true destiny. Our maker so designed us that our, nurt- that our, that our nature finds final satisfaction and fulfillment in a relationship with God, which means precisely that our relationship with God deepens with obedience to him. That's our destiny. So yeah, I don't need Jesus to. I don't need Jesus to be saved. He's a crutch, man. He's something. No, 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 no. Listen, you're 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 made in the image of God, and in the image of God comes what comes this relationship that you long for. Listen, it was a pastor who said, "We are most satisfied when God is most glorified in us." You are most satisfied in your relationship when God is most glorified. That's our destiny. That's our destiny. You see, we come to church on a Wednesday night not to go, oh, praise God, checkmark Wednesday night, yeah! We come because we want and we have a relationship. And we come here and because we want our foundation to be solid. And we know that there's a world out there that's not very, that, that's cruel and ugly. And we go, okay, okay, I want my foundation. Listen, it's be, it'd be awesome to come up here and rah-rah you guys. Man, come on, yeah! Amen. Let's let's just let's just get all worked up. But more importantly, wouldn't it be better that you have the tools and the foundation and the power of God as you walk out those doors to face what's going to happen tomorrow? You say, what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know. Something might. Something might. You go, what's the third one, Ben? Jot this down. Freedom. The third assertion confirms that the genuineness of each man's freedom. See, experience tells us that we are free in the sense that, listen. We make real choices in life, and we could have chosen differently. It was J. A. James Packer writes, self-determining freedom of choice is what sets God and his natural creatures apart from, say, the birds, the bees, as moral beings. We have the freedom to choose. Do you want to know, as God created you in his image, do you want to know what the greatest attribute God has for you? You go, Pastor, that's easy. That's love. He loves me. But you know that love comes in, in a free will, in freedom to choose. This would, Think about it, right? If the God who created us said, okay, Paul, you're going to do what I say, when I say, how I say it, and, and Paul says, okay, that's not love, is it? And we go, hey, Paul, do you love God? Well, I have to. Because, you know, I got out of line the other day and I got hit upside the head. And I've just, I mean, he, I can't do, you know, that's not love, right? But when he gives us the freedom to choose. Guys, I don't know if you grasp this or not, and I feel like the Spirit is wanting me to say this. Do you realize that love is a choice? It's not a feeling. You know, we have this picture in our mind of us running to each other, dun, 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 right, in the beach and, and all this stuff, and we're just coming, and it's just, love is a choice. Love is when you get up every morning, and you love that person you choose. I'm going to love. I'm going to love her. I'm going to love him. Love is a choice. Now, last week, what did we do? We covered days two through four in this order. I took this again from Skip Heitzig's book, but you can write this down or you can have it somewhere. The second day was the water world. We talked about the water world, right? Verses six through eight. Then on the third day, God made land. We call that land. Oh, there it is. There's the land, right? Verses nine and ten. And then part of the third day, we saw that it was not so much land hoe, but let it grow. Let it grow. God started to grow um, just 
everything in creation. And then part of the fourth day, or the, that was part of the third day, the fourth day was lights aglow, verses 14 through 19. Now, I want to camp out there for just a moment, guys. Look at verses 19 through 14 before we jump into our text. In Genesis chapter 1, 14 and 19, we're going to talk about the fourth day. And it said, and God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day and the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth, and that is what that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. And he also made the stars. Do you guys see that at the end of verse 16? He also made the stars. Now, I want to make sure you get this. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, God made the stars. Okay, now turn to the neighbor you ignored and say, I'm sorry for ignoring you. <laughs> so God made the stars, right? God made the stars. God set these lights in the sky, right? Govern the day and the night to separate the lights from the darkness. God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came and this was the fourth day. You go, Pastor Ben, what's your point? Here it is. God spoke and created the sun and the moon. He did this. Okay? He did this, and I mean, guys, but he also created he also created the stars. He also created the galaxies. You go, what was that Hebrew? What was it again? Remember, it was it was Berasith Elohim Berashimayim, the heavens and the earth, the universe, all of this stuff. We went through that, okay? So God created the sun and the moon. He also created the stars. And last week, if you weren't here, we saw a video showing us just how big the universe was. It would blew our mind. But tonight, I want to show you one more video. I want to show you a video. It's only about two minutes long, how God created the stars, just how, how it is, right? Now, here's what I want you to keep in mind, okay? I just want to give you a side note. Jesus Christ, the one whom you follow, guys, was involved in creation, Okay, it's funny because the Father, Son, and Spirit are having this conversation within themselves, but yet we know that God, we know that Jesus was instrumental in creation. Why? Because Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says this, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible, which thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So we know that Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's what the Lord put on my heart, okay? As we take a moment to see what God created, as we look at a video here in just a second, here's what I want to point out to you. I want to point out to you, and I want you to compare what you're going through today. I want you to compare your problems, which are valid here on earth, but I want to show you how big your God is. If God created a superstar so big that it blows our mind, I'm, I'm thinking he can handle our problems. Do you guys see how big that star was? The Canis Majoris? Did you see how, how little the earth was? And I'm thinking to myself, if God can make a star. Now, here's another thing. They found a bigger star than Canis Majoris. They found another one. But I'm thinking, it, listen, listen, if God can make a star, and he just said, let there be, boom. And, Can and this is what we found. We don't even know what's out there. Did you see the galaxies? If God can do that, my prayer for you tonight, guys, is that you say, you know what? There is nothing that he can't do in my life. My problems are so... Listen, I'm not going to tell God how big my problems are. I'm going to tell my problems. Look how big my God is. That's, look, at look, look. Listen, next time, you know, the enemy comes and says, you've got real problems, and yes, we do. Amen? But then I want to say, but God created Canis Majoris. There's nothing that he can't do. There's nothing that he can't fix. There's nothing in your life that's so messed up that this God can't fix. And the hope that you guys have in Jesus is going, listen, Lord, Lord, I've got some I've got some real issues, man. I've got some real things that I need to deal with. God's going, I'm right here. If you'll just here's the question you've got to ask yourself. You ready? Is Jesus enough? 
Is Jesus enough to fix marriages? Is Jesus enough to change your life? Is Jesus enough to get you out of addiction? Is Jesus enough in your life? He's got to be. He's got to be. I think he can do it. I think he can do it. I want to tap into the God that goes, let's say I'm going to make a star. Yeah, he made earth. Here we are. And we look outside and we're like, man, right? I don't think any of us have 1,100 years to fly around Canis Majoris, okay? Even Methuselah, right, who was 969, wouldn't be able to make it on an airplane. Guys, think about it. Think about that. He said, and he created the stars. Well, back in our study, guys, is, is tonight we're going to cover verses 20 through 31. So we've covered day one, day two, day three, day four, stars, God, you're doing something amazing. But now we're going to see day five. But look with me to Genesis chapter one, verse 20. It says, then God said, let the waters abound with abundance of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. And so God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind. Every winged bird according to his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters with the seas and let the birds multiply in the earth. Guys, if you want to just circle this or kind of know what's happening here, guys, God now is creating living creatures, okay? It's the, it's the fifth day he's creating, right? He's made the atmosphere and he's made the hydrosphere on the second day. And of course, the lithosphere and the biosphere on the third day, God now proceeds to make what? Animal life. Animal life. And I think about this. All the, necess- all the necessities for living creatures were present on the earth at this time. Okay, this is what God had already created. He created light. He created air, water, soil, chemicals, plants, fruits. All of this was already there. Now it's time to bring forth life, to bring forth life. And so God says, let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures. We see this great variety of birds and and sea creatures were created at the same time. Everybody say, at the same time. You go, why? Here's why, guys, because because they were all created when God said. This was not involving, right? These were not involving slowly over millions of years. Even though plant life was created before animal life, Animal life was not created out of the plant life. It was God said, boom, and he created life. He created life, right? And so all of a sudden, what do we have? So now you have fish in the ocean. You have sea creatures, right? And, 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 and here's the thing, right? Now, now listen, you just saw a video. You just saw a video. Last week, you saw a video of the universe. This week, you saw the video of Canis Majoris. I mean, the star is just out. I mean, Wow. And here's what people have trouble. Can God make a fish so big that he swallowed a man? Seriously? That's your question? You know, why? Because he made sea creatures. You know? And there was Jonah, right? And there was Jonah swimming away, and here comes a sea creature. Question, right? All my Bible students, okay? When Jonah was thrown over, was the sea creature... Was that his judgment or was that his salvation? Very good. A lot of people think it was his judgment, right? Oh, I was thrown over. The sea creature came and swallowed me. Well, I would think it'd be judgment too if a, a big fish swallowed me. Okay, trying to get me back for all the times we had trout and, you know. But the point is, is that the, the sea creature, guys, that God created was, was, God, was Jonah's salvation because he got to live in there, didn't he? A lot of people look at it and go, no, I thought it was... No, God says, look, I'm creating this back in Genesis because there's going to be a fellow by the name of Jonah and he's going to be disobedient and I'm going to have to create that to swallow him and then barf him up where I want him to go. That's what, that's what God does. So God makes what? He makes the fish. He makes sea creatures. He makes the birds. He makes all of this stuff. And here's what I love. God looked at what he created and he said, God saw it was good. It was good. Guys, I think about this, okay? Fish, sea creatures, all kinds of stuff, right? 
in the ocean, in the rivers, fresh water, salt water. And then he makes, he makes birds. He makes birds. And I started to think about God's creation and the birds. And here's what I thought. I thought, I want you to think about a moment right now how much God really cares for you. How much he really loves you. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we have a tendency as human beings, help me out here, church. We have a tendency as human beings, does God really love me? Could God really love me? In all my faults, and all my issues, and all my drama, could God really love me? Could he? And that's been our biggest issue, right? Let me tell you how much God really, really loves you. Let me tell you how much God loves you. And I want to say this today. Listen, you're here because we love you. You're here because God loves you. That's why we love you. If you come to this church and you don't feel loved, please tell me because we love you. We love you. Well, how much does God love me, Ben? Well, according to Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter, the 25th verse, it says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will be put on. Okay. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? He created the birds. He says, man, I'm going to take care of them. My eye, right, what's that, what's, that, um, what's that song? His eye is on the sparrow, right? It's not a Bible verse, but it's based upon this verse. And it's meant to be a reminder that God watches over his people even in times of persecution or difficulty. Anybody having a difficult week? Anybody having a tough week? Right? Yeah, we, we have them all the time. But, but, but this reminds me, his eye is on the sparrow. He's going to take care of us. Okay, I want some true confession here, church. You all are sitting there too quiet. We know that God's eye is on the sparrow, right? It's on the sparrow. This, he's going to help me through difficult times. Do we really believe that at times? You know we don't. We seem to be running from, from God at times. We go, I believe it. I'm going to stand over here because I don't know if he's going to. I'll take care of stuff. Let me handle this. How am I going to handle this? I'll, I'll take care of it. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. He's going to watch over you in the darkest of times. Guys, I'm not, I'm not up here preaching fables, and I'm not up here preaching. This is the word of God. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about like this. There was a poor, poor, poor woman who earned her living hard by daily labor. Of course, you know what that was, right? She was a... She was a slave worker. But this woman was joyant, triumphant Christian. The story goes, someone says, Ah, Nancy, said a gloomy Christian lady to her one day. It's well enough to be happy now, but I should think the thoughts of the future would sober you. Only suppose for an instance you should have a spell of sickness and be able and, and be unable to work. Or suppose your present employer should move away and no one else give you anything to do. Or suppose, stop, cried Nancy. I never suppose. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And honey, she added to her her gloomy friend, it's all in them supposes this or suppose that that's making you unhappy. You better give them up and trust the Lord Jesus. You better, the believer is always joyful, but whoever saw a joyful supposer. She goes on to say, let me, like a little sparrow, trust him where I cannot see, in the sunshine or the shadow, singing, he will care for me. Isn't that amazing? Because we can't live with the, I suppose, maybe this, maybe that. The Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is going to take care of you. The Lord is guiding you. He's got you. He knows right where you are. Guys, it's it's the word of God. And he said it was good. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle, and the creeping things. See, here's where God makes creeps. Creeping things, okay? Some creeps. Anyways, you know, that, you know that guy in high school? He goes, that guy was a creep. That's right here, Genesis 124. The cattle and the creepy things don't... Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
He made the beast of the earth according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps, there it is again, on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Now, the problem with creeping things is they want to creep up your leg and bite you, don't they? I don't like creeping things. But anyways, God made him. He said it was good. So on the fifth day, what did God do? He made the birds. He made the animals. But now God turned his creative attention towards what? Towards land animals in various types, right? He, he said, okay, there it is. Now I, I'm going to start what? I need to say in my greatest creation, okay? The Imago Dei, chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we have dominion over creeps. That's one thing that we can do. But, but really, this is the Namago Day. This is made in God's image. How so? Well, guys, notice first thing that, 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 that is written here in verse 26. Then God said, let... Now, what, is, what does he say there? He said, let us... Okay, and then he says, in our, according to our likeness. Who, who's, who, who's he talking about, right? Well, John tells us, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All three of them, right? The Father, Son, and the Spirit. They're talking to each other, and they look and say, wow, look what we made. We've made Canis Majoris over there. That's cool. The Son, perfect position. You are in this, you are in this perfect 23 and a half chilled axis. That's perfect. You won't freeze. Amen. You won't burn. Okay, that's cool too. This is great. And he looks, he says, now let's make some cattle. Let's make some, you know, filet mignon. Let's make some fish. I mean, whatever it might be, there it is. And then he looks, he says, we're missing something. Let's make, let's make man in our image. Right? So here's what we've got to learn. Here's what we've got to learn. Where he says, let us make man in our image. The repeated use of the plural, let us, our image according to our likeness, is consistent with the idea, guys, that there is one God in three persons. We know this as the Trinity, the triune Godhead, three persons, right? Or, or one Godhead and three distinct persons. Very, very important, Okay? God said, let us make man in our image. We are made in the image of God. So what does that mean? Well, remember, it means in what? In dignity, in destiny, and freedom. You go, amen. I wrote those down. But it also means in personality, morality, and spirituality. Wait, wait, you just added three more. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Right? Because this is, this is so amazing. This is so amazing. Let us, okay, hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God, right? He is one God in three persons. Let us, the triune God, can you explain it? No, I can't. It's, it's beyond the mind. I mean, think of, I know this. When I get to heaven, guess what he says? I'm going to know all things, and I'll be able to go and go, oh, that makes sense. But right here, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, we could use illustrations, right? We, we could use a three-leaf clover. It's still one clover. It has three different leaves. I mean, we could use things like that, but it still doesn't do it justice. I mean, all I know is that there is God, and he is one God and three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, we know that our enemy attacks that just as well. We know that within the body of Christ, there are people who attack that. There are people who go, no, 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 Jesus only. Jesus is the Father, Jesus is the Son, and Jesus is the Spirit. And, there is, I mean, and, and, and they'll, they'll fight us tooth and nail. Uh, they're called the Jesus only people. Got to be careful. Why? Because here it's talking about the triune God, the Trinity. The Trinity, right off the bat in chapter 1. You go, so God said, let us make man in our image. We're made in the image of God. We're made with dignity, with destiny and freedom, but also personality, morality, and spirituality. So let's break that down. The image of God is an understanding of who man is begins with knowing that we are made in his image. Man is different than every other order of created being because he is created with the consistency of God. This means that there's an unbridgeable gap between human life and animal life. Though we are biologically similar to certain animals, we are distinct in our moral, intellectual, and spiritual capabilities. Capabilities. 
This also means, guys, that there is an unbridgeable gap between human life and angelic life. You go, well, how so? Nowhere in Scripture are we told that angels are made in the image of God. Angels cannot have the same kind of relationship of love and fellowship than we can. Do you know that when somebody gets saved, you have a host of angels excited? Why? Because they don't know what that feels like. Why? Because love is a choice. When you came forward and you, and you chose God, that's love. That's love. And the angels are like, what does that feel like? What is that? Oh, they're busy. They're messengers. They're bidding God's work in his business. They don't know what it feels like to have the Holy Spirit fill you with warmth and know the forgiveness of your sins and that you can go to bed tonight knowing that you're saved and that if you were to die tonight, you're going to go straight to heaven and be in glory with God. We talked about heaven last week. Do you guys remember that? This also means that there's an un... Uh, that means that incarnation was truly possible. God, the second person of the Trinity, could really become man. Why? Because although deity and humanity are not the same, they're compatible. They're compatible. This means human life has an intrinsic value quite apart from the quality of life, experience in the individual, because human life is made in the image of God. It means that humans can possess spirituality. Man is made for communion with God. It's on the level of the spirit we communicate with God. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. This is very, very important. This does not mean that God has a physical or a human body. The Bible says that he is a spirit, John 4, 24. Though God does not have a physical body, he designed man so his physical body could do many things God does. Like what? See, hear, smell, touch, speak, think, plan, and so forth. You see how that fits in? So, again, jot this down. In our image, according to our likeness, the terms for image and likeness are slightly different. Image has to do more with appearance, and likeness has to do more with abstract similarity. But they both essentially mean the same thing in this context. So you go, okay, so, so image and likeness, got it, got it. And so the word of God declares to us, and God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What does the Bible just say, guys, that you and I were to have dominion over the fish, the birds, and the cattle? We are, have to have dominion over the creeps of this world. Okay, just kidding, not the creeps, but the creeping things. And then it says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Do you guys see that? He created them. Now, next week in, in chapter 2, we're actually gonna, he's going to take us back, and he's going to show us how he created male and female and how, how the gals got to be here, right? And we talked about that. We're going to see that. But right now, he's just getting, he's saying, okay, so let me just say this, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, you were created in the image of God. And what does that mean to you? It means you're image bearers. There's no one like you. There's no one like you. There's no one that has your personality. There's no one that has your same thoughts and same hearts. Oh, sure, you could be married and be like, man, we, have, we can finish each other's sentences, but it's not the same, is it? You're image bearers. Several of us tonight walked in and said, Woo, what a week. Man, my eyes are hot from stress. I'm just tired. It's just been a long week. You know why? Well, part of that is because you're an image bearer. And the enemy says, Hmm, I don't like you because you're an image bearer. I don't like you. And what we need to understand, guys, is that tonight is the rest time. Tonight is the notes. Tonight is the worship. Tonight, but tomorrow you're out there as image bearers and the enemy's going, okay, watch this. 
and he wants to shoot those fiery darts, what should we do? Just take every thought captive unto the glory of God. Take every thought captive. Okay, God, I'm going I'm I'm to stay focused on you, Lord. Okay, I'm an image bearer. I'm an image bearer. Next time, listen, this is good for somebody. Next time that the devil tells you that you're a liar, a loser, a lunatic, just, just tell him to shut up and say, I'm an image bearer. God created me in his image. God created me in his image. Yeah, but you do those things. That doesn't, listen, just because I do some things and I made some bad choices doesn't make me who I am. I'm an image bearer. So, verse 28 says, then God blessed them and he said to them, check this out, guys. He told, who's he saying? He told man and woman, be fruitful and multiply. Fulfill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, notice, see, I've given you every herb that yields the seed, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you, it shall be for food. Everybody see that in verse 29? Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every game herb for food, and it was so. And of course, verse 31 says, And God said, and God saw that everything he had made, and indeed it was, help me church, very good. Everything else in creation is, that was good. That's good. And when he looks at you, sister, and he looks at you, brother, and he says, that was very good. That was very good. That was very good. I love that. I love that. So God created man in his own image, right? God created man according to his plans described in Genesis 1.26. The concept of man being created in the image of God is what is repeated and given emphasis to the idea. Now, we're getting ready to close here, okay? And as we do, I want you to glean several things from our text, okay? Each, number one, Each member of the Trinity is active in creation. That's what we need to understand. The Father was the sovereign architect of creation. Why? Well, he conceived it, he planned it, he decreed it. Well, what did the Son do? The Son, Jesus Christ, was the builder. He was the builder. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, But for us there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. Creation was the Father, but it was through Jesus. You go, what do you mean? Okay, jot this down, guys. If you're a fast writer, the Father was the architect. Jesus was the builder, and the Holy Spirit was the project manager. That's the first thing we learned. That's the first thing. The second thing we learned is we learned that we were created in the image of God. We were created the Imago Dei. I love that. And we learned tonight six assertions, six attributes being created in his image. Number one, dignity destiny, and the freedom to choose. We also learned about personality. Isn't it funny how every one of us is born with different personalities? There are some personalities that are introverts, and they'll stand by the corner, and they'll watch everything else, and when it gets too hectic, they'll go and they'll be by themselves. Any introverts in here? And then we have a couple, yeah, yeah. And you guys are so introverted, you didn't even want to raise your hand. You're like this, don't want anybody to see me. And then we have extroverts. Do we have any extroverts? Any extroverts? Look at that. Look at Joe's like, right here, yeah. Extroverts, those are the people who, I mean, they come in and they say hard work, clean living, right? They come in and then, and uh, they're just, they're just, yeah, yeah. Different personalities, different personalities. I love it. Right, because you were created. God didn't, God didn't just make one little personality and say, here you go. Could you imagine if we all had the same personality? How boring. But you were created in the image of God. How about this? How about morality? What do you mean? Listen, we know. <laughs> we know when we do wrong. Even before we came to Christ, we knew what we did wrong. 
I mean, it's amazing. And God created that in us. The problem, guys, is that we got to move from guilt to salvation. See, because we know what we did wrong, but without Jesus, we just live guilty. And guilt is the hardest thing to get rid of, is it not? And Jesus says, hey, listen to me. I want to take all your guilt. Seriously? All of it. All of it. Okay. And when you gave your life to Jesus, listen, I don't know if you know this or not. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he took all of your guilt away. Pastor, pastor, pastor. Yes. I still feel guilty. Well, why do you keep taking it back? Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. So we have what? We have morality. We have personality, morality, but also spirituality. Spirituality. Every one of us, guys, were created. How? We were, we were born. We were born in, born in, dead in trespasses and sin. We were, we were in the lineage of Adam. That's where we came, right? We were under Adam, but, but, but that's why it's important that we are born again. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he, listen, I love this, that he put, he put eternity in our hearts. It's in there. And I think before you, listen, go back, to your, go back to your BC days, but don't dance, okay? Don't be like, oh, yeah, I remember we used to have, I'm not talking about that, okay? But, but BC, before Christ, there was something in you before you came to Jesus that you knew that there was a God out there that created you. You did not think, I'm just a blob. I was just, you know, I, w- I don't know. You knew because God said he put eternity in your heart. The problem is, now listen to me carefully. The problem with mankind is that before we come to Jesus, we try to fill that with everything else that we can think of. Listen, I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. Maybe a relationship over here would do it. Yes, I'm going to fill this with a relationship. Oh, that broke my heart. That's not going to work. huh? Well, I'm not satisfied, but maybe, listen, life seems too hard. Maybe I'm going to try to fill it with... Well, with alcohol, I think I can fill this with alcohol, and then and then and then I won't I, I won't fill it in the morning, and and no, but it comes back. See, because we keep filling God put eternity in our heart, we keep filling that eternity with with other stuff. Well, maybe if it's not alcohol, maybe it's career. Maybe I'll come over here and and I'll just work really really hard, and I'll just make a lot of money, and then I'm just going to fill it, and I'll just fill my heart with. And here's what we find out, church: we find out that doesn't satisfy. Nothing satisfies except Jesus. And when you put Jesus, you go, oh, that fits so good. That fits perfect. And you were created. You were created with a great personality, morality, and spirituality. And number three, guys, the third thing we learned is that we, we see our, our maker's mandate. You go, what did he do? When God made animals, sea creatures, land animals, birds, he blessed them. And what did he say? He said, be fruitful and multiply, verse 22. And when he made people, though he did not bless them, right? Although not only did he bless them and tell them to be fruitful and multiply, but fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the creatures that he had made. Now, we as humans have a unique relationship with the, with the universe God made. Why? Because God gave us permission to investigate and to harness the world's potential. He says, have dominion. God gave man dominion over the whole earth, but only vegetation is specifically mentioned as being food, right? Seemingly, now listen, seemingly before the flood, the human race was all vegetarian. But after the flood, man was given permission to eat the flesh of animals. So if you have a good, if you have a good salad, you go, amen, I'm pre-flood right now. Pass the ranch, I'm pre-flood. If you are vegetarian, amen. After the flood, hey, look at that. After the flood, you're like, Filet mignon, let's, let's grill it up right now, right? Brisket, psh, ribs, making y'all hungry. Here's what we don't want to do, church. Listen, listen, here's what we don't want to do. 
We don't want to reverse the creative order. Okay? We don't want to worship creation and forget the creator. Once we reverse that and we start worshiping steak, we start worshiping... Now, listen, you guys are tracking with me, right? Because there are people who go, the law is vegetables and we don't eat any meat. And if you don't do it like I do, you're a lo-. And they're worshiping what God created instead of the creator. Now, what should you do? Whether you're a vegetarian or you're a meat eater, here's what you should do. Thank you, God. This great steak, this vegetables, whatever it might be, it makes me praise you. Right? This donut, Lord, thank you. Hey, I praise you for this donut. Okay? But, but now, now listen, listen. I'm going to say something in here, right? And I know, we have, I, know we have, I know we have kids in here. But I want you to see the word of God, okay? The word of God says, and God gave mankind what he gave. He said, he said be fruitful and multiply the earth. What was he talking about? Children. Procreation. Here's what I want you to see. And I got to be careful. God gave man the desire for sex. He did. All right. He didn't just say, okay, get after it and have babies and then just don't like it. He, he did that. But he did it under the bounds of being married. And I'll tell you why. Because the Hebrew word, guys, when two people have intimacy... It's the mingling of souls. It's the mingling of souls. You, you become one. And what God says, he goes, listen, I've given you that desire and I put it in a beautiful picture because you, I want you to be one. I gave you that desire. Here's what the world has done. The world has taken the, the, the desire and sex and, it's, and the world and the enemy has dirtied it all up and just dirtied it. And when it's brought up in church, everybody goes, oh, don't talk about sex. When it's done God's way, it's the most amazing thing. The best way to illustrate it is this. In my house, I have a fireplace. And in the wintertime, we get some wood, and uh, we have a nice roaring fire. It's beautiful. It's romantic. I like a fireplace. Right? Sit there. Warm yourself. It does all kinds of great stuff. That same fire, if it were to jump out of the fireplace and onto the carpet, that same fire now creates... What? Destruction. Same fire. But except now my wife's running around, turn it off, turn it off, spit it out, call the 911, right? I mean, it's, I mean, the whole, everything's going crazy. <laughs> Same fire. She's not romantic anymore. You guys see, that's how, that's how sex is. Sex is that fire and God created it and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply in the bounds of marriage. In the bounds of marriage. It's going to be super. It's going to be great. Have kids. Have godly kids. Some of us are getting old. Er. <laughs> right? Some of us are getting older. We need, we need the younger generation of kids, guys, we're one generation away as Christianity to be distinct. One generation. Moms and dads, I applaud you. Raise up your kids. Teach them the Bible. Could we do something a little bit different, moms and dads, with little ones? Could we do something a little bit different? You go, what's that? Let them see Jesus in your life. Not, not, not you being perfect. Just, just let them see the real Jesus in your life. Talk to them like little image bearers. Help them. Why? Because kids can spot hypocrisy a mile away. Oh, you're saying one thing, but you live a whole different way. No, 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 no. Listen. I'll teach you the Bible. We'll do whatever we can in children's ministry. We'll do whatever we can in youth group. But it's going to take a community of believers to help our youth these days. We've got to do it together. We've got to do it together. 
Lord, we thank you for day six. We thank you, God, that you have made us in your own image and what that means to us. Thank you for bestowing dignity and destiny and freedom. Thank you, God, for my personality and the morality you give me, and I want to please you, Lord. And thank you for the spirituality in my life. Thank you, God, that we can look. And so, Lord, next week we're looking and we're seeing how beautiful that you're going to make male and female, God. You're going to create Adam. You already have, according to Genesis 1, but Genesis 2, you're going to go, you're going to just go and you leave nothing unturned, God. So thank you, God, that we can worship you with one last song. Thank you that the word will penetrate our hearts. Thank you, God, for Canis Majoris. Because looking at that star makes me believe right now, God, that there is nothing that you can't do in my life. There is not, there, there is not a single sickness that you can't heal. There is not a single emotional issue that you can't fix. There is, not a, there is not a spiritual issue in this room that you can't fix. Lord, you are God. If I'll just stay tuned into you, if I'll just stay planted in you, if I'll just stay just connected to my Father, Lord, help me to trust that you've, you've got me in the palm of your hand. Bless these people here, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.